Amen. On last week, Pastor Renee preached about uh, talking about the ambushing of the enemy. And one of the points he brought out was that every leader, every authority needs help. And then he called for me and a brother to come up and hold his hands up in the midst of battle. And today we're going to talk about delegated authority. Our, not only our country, our society, but our world is being shaken and being rocked. I, I have never seen a time where our culture and our nation has been so divided on so many different issues than, I, than, than this one issue right here, delegated authority. And God has given Pastor Renee and some, some, some things and what's on his heart in the word. And I just want to echo and he's put some things in my heart that I want to add to this. Because we all want the blessings of God to be on our lives. But God is calling for us to live our lives above the culture. God is calling for you and I to display something different because you and I represent the kingdom of God. Even though we are here on this earth as an ambassador, and let's say I'm an, I'm an ambassador uh, of the United States to Kenya. I may be living in Kenya, but I have full authority of the kingdom of the citizenship by which I come from. So while I may be in Kenya, God calls me to walk in authority, in, uh, to submit to the authority of the Kenyan government. But at the same time, I have the full authority of the United States backing me up. And so because you and I are blood-bought and we submit to the authority of Christ, we live here on earth as an ambassador. So we might be here, but we represent a greater kingdom. We represent a greater ruler. We represent one who supersedes the authority and the affairs of men, who trumps no one, who, who sits above everything and every authority because there's nobody greater than God himself. So we, we, because we represent him, we have to represent him in every facet of our existence so that the world does not misrepresent and misinterpret who he is by the things that we do that may be a little bit skewed from the truth of his word. Everybody understand what I'm saying? So today we want to talk about part five, delegated authority. Now, it's interesting uh, in this story, which is found in Exodus chapter 18, Moses now brings over a million plus people out of, uh, out of Egypt, and they've settled themselves. And so now he gets word that Jethro, his father-in-law, is bringing his wife and two children to meet him. And he's excited to have his wife and his children with him, but I believe that God is going to speak some things to Moses through Jethro and the story here is going to speak to a lot of us because we occupy many facets of authority. And let's just dig into the word of God to see what God wants to say to us. So here we are. We want to pick up at verse 9. Uh, it says this. Jethro was delighted when he heard about all the good things that the Lord had done for Israel as he rescued them from the hand of the Egyptians. <clears throat> Praise the Lord, Jethro said, for he has rescued you from the Egyptians and from Pharaoh. Yes, he has rescued Israel from the powerful hand of Egypt. Now, know now that the Lord is greater than all other gods. And we declare that and echo that with him. Because he rescued his people from the oppression of the proud Egyptians. Then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, brought a burnt offering and a sacrifice to God. Aaron and all the elders of Israel came out and joined him in a sacrifice meal in God's presence. Jethro's wise advice. The next day in verse 13, Moses took his seat to hear the people's dispute against each other. They waited before him from morning to mo till evening. When Moses' father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he asked, what are you really accomplishing here? Why are you trying to do all of this alone while everyone stands around, uh, stands around you from morning until evening? Moses replied, because the people come to me to get a ruling from God. And when a dispute arises, they come to me and I am the one who settles the case between the quarreling parties. I inform the people of God's decrees and give them his instructions. His father-in-law said, Moses... Big fella, this is not good. This is not good. Moses' father-in-law exclaimed, You're going to wear yourself out, and the people too. This job is too heavy. 
a burden for you to handle all by yourself. Now listen to me and let me give you a word of advice and may God be with you. You should continue to be the people's representative before God, bringing their disputes to him. Teach them God's decrees and give them his instructions. Show them how to conduct their lives. But select from all the people some capable, honest men who fear God and hate bribes. Anoint them as leaders over groups of one thousands, one hundreds, fifties, and tens. They should always be available to solve the people's common disputes. But have them bring the major cases to you. And let the leaders decide the smaller matters for themselves. They will help you carry the load, making the task easier for you. Now, this is a key right here I want you to see. If you follow this advice, and if God commands you to do so. Now, notice, I love this particular passage of the scripture because Jethro, in this verse, is not coming to give the, uh, the authority in charge uh, advice arrogantly. Notice we did. The advice he was giving him was good and right. But notice the spirit and the tone that he gave this man of authority, this piece of information. If you follow this advice and if God commands you to do so. That tell me not only was he submitting to Moses' leadership, but he recognized the authority of God over this man's life. And he did not, he carefully tr- walked toward him and giving him this advice. Then you will be able to endure the pressure and all these people will go home in peace. Somebody say peace. Yeah, he said you, they will go home in peace and not in pieces. So many times people go to churches in America, boy, and they come home, but they leave in pieces. Okay, you may not know what I'm talking about. Verse 24, Moses listened to his father-in-law's advice and followed his suggestions. I firmly believe 24 is the result of 23. I believe that Moses listened to him because of the spirit that it was given to him. He listened to his father's advice and followed his suggestion. He chose capable men from all over Israel and appointed them as leaders over the people. He put them in charge of groups of 1,000, 100, 50, and 10. These men were were always available to solve the people's common disputes. They brought the major cases to Moses, but they took care of the smaller matters themselves. Soon after this, Moses said goodbye to his father-in-law who returned to his own land. Man, what an incredible picture we see here. This is something God, I believe, allowed to happen because he knew that there's something that we needed to learn, something we needed to grasp a hold of. And we were talking about delegated authority. Our nation is struggling, really struggling with the voice of authority, the face of authority, and the many facets of authority. And yet, Jesus Christ himself said this. He echoed it over and over again. I came not to do my own will, but I came to do the will of the one who sent me. I came to do the will of the father. It's unfortunate that the world today makes the word submission a very ugly, dirty word. But I want you to understand from God's perspective, the word submission is an anointed word. Somebody say anointed. It is an anointed word when we understand it. I want you to understand this point. All authority belongs to God. Because he is the creator of all things. Would you agree with me? All authority belongs to God because he is the creator of all things. We see that the basic principles of the kingdom of this world is rebellion. The basic principles of the spirit of this world is rebellion. Even our nation was birthed out of rebellion. Think about it. So woven into the fabric of our nation is rebellion. But here's the, the, the flip side. Whereas the basic principle of God's kingdom is obedience. The basic principle of God's kingdom is obedience. We are here to obey God and to uphold his authority. We are here to obey God and to uphold his authority. 
Well, since we're talking about delegated authority, what is delegated authority? I'm glad you asked the question because I have the answer right here. What is delegated authority? Delegated authority is someone who represents God's authority. All authority belongs to God. But God has demonstrated or exercised his authority in several ways. All authority belongs to God. And we recognize that because he has all authority, then he will use that authority in several ways. So there are two ways in which God exercises his authority, both in heaven and in earth. Number one, through a direct authority. Direct authority means that God tells us directly through his word or through his Holy Spirit what he wants us to do. Direct authority. He speaks to us directly through his word and then he speaks to us through the working of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And then the second way God shows his authority in a greater dimension, just as great as his word and Holy Spirit, is what we call delegated authority. Somebody say delegated authority. It is here in delegated authority. What does that mean? This means that God designates certain people to represent him and his authority and to exercise the authority that is his. Let me read it again. Delegated authority This means that God designates certain people to represent him and to exercise his authority. Now, the Holy Spirit gave me something. I want to do this uh, now. I'm going to pull this chair out. Okay. I think this is a good spot for it. Yeah. There we go. All right. In my time of studying and just listening to the Holy Spirit, he says, I want you to use the chair. What does this chair represent? This chair represents the God-established authority. God is the creator of all things. And he is the head over all principalities and all powers. And so let's say this chair represents God-established authority. You follow me? Now, there were several people I asked to come to the stage and can you come at this time if you don't mind come to the stage at this time and if you don't mind have a single line and stand right there this chair represents the established order the established authority of God our nation is struggling because when we look at the many facets of authority which we'll bring out shortly God wanted me to show you the many faces of authority so that we will have the blessings of the Lord on our lives and our family because of this seat. There are certain people that God will allow to sit in this seat and we need, there are some things we need to understand about them sitting in this seat. So let me get this microphone on. So we're going to have our first. You first. You are first. Have a seat. There we go. Take the microphone. Okay. Uh, and what is your name? I'm Nadine Fry, your Excellent. wife. Excellent. <laughs> what a wonderful name it is. <laughs> and um, in your life, what are some of the um, uh, positions of authority or uh, authority that you hold in your life at this time? Other than your wife, I'm a mom. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a minister. Okay. Uh, I work as a reading specialist. Okay. Um, that's it. I'm a servant. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, thank you. Just sit back. Now, I want you to see this. Prior to her coming to this, she was Nadine. That's who she is. Now, uh, she sat in this chair. Now, this is what I want you to understand. Now, we see a different face of authority now. Because when she sits in this chair, she's no longer just Nadine. Because now God says... You are to honor her, not because of her. You honor her because of me. And because she sits in the seat that I have established, when you honor her, you honor me. When you dishonor her, you dishonor me. And a lot of times, what young people don't understand, for example, where are my school teachers? Stand up and wave at me. School teachers, stand up and wave at me. Stand quickly, quickly, wave at me. Wave at me. Can I give, give, give it up for our school teachers? Many people don't realize, not only our school teachers, but administrators. We have any administrators, principals. Where are our principals at? 
There we go, right here, right here. Excellent, excellent. Our schools are struggling because our children are not being taught to understand that all of authority has been established by God. And so parents, we need to understand, when your children disrespect the teachers, it's like they're disrespecting God. So if you have to come to school to deal with them, deal with them not because of who they disrespected as a teacher, but they've disrespected God through the teacher. Thank you so much. Next. How you doing, sir? Doing well. And what is your name? Derek Dunn. Derek looked like this guy said, I am second, and he is first. <laughs> second. And um, tell us what you do and what positions of authority do you have? Okay. I'm, uh, I'm a pastor here at the church. I'm a husband and a father. I believe that's it. Okay. <laughs> Now, I want you to see this. This is an incredible, impressive-looking dude, man, I tell you. When, Nicole said yes. When this young man sits in this seat, he is, a, he is the representation of authority in his home because of the position in the seat that he's sitting in. Now, I know that's going to come a time where his boys are going to try to challenge him. It's, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. But it's imperative that as he sits in this seat of, of, of authority, that any honoring of this man is an honoring of God. Any dishonoring of this man in any facet, be his wife, his children, those in the church, you're dishonoring God. Because we're not asking you to submit to Derek. What we're asking you is to, to submit to the authority that Derek, the seat that he sits in. And when you honor him, you're honoring God because of the position. Now, again, notice the face of the two people were radically different. I like the first face better. <laughs> but our nation is struggling. See, just because some would say, if Nadine would say, well, I'm going to submit to that face because that face looks like me. <laughs> or I'll submit to this face because he's young like me. Thank you so much, sir. Next. I hope you're getting this. How you doing, sir? Fine and you. Good, I'm fine. What's your name? And tell us what position of authority that you occupy. My name is Renard Martin. First of all, I'm a I'm a husband, and father, and grandfather as well. Good. Uh, on your job, do you occupy? I'm a safety consultant, so I'm pretty much in charge of everybody's safety out there. That's a good man. Now notice the position. The many facets of the positions, the difference of positions. You had a housewife and teacher. You had a pastor and leader. Now you have a man who occupies not only a leadership in his home, but he also occupies a certain leadership position on his job in terms of safety. And here is what they need to understand. Because this man is sitting in the position of authority, it is incumbent that not only that he understand his position, that the seat God has allowed him to sit in, but that the people around him understand that position. Linda knows all too well what that position is, don't she? Yeah, amen. Say amen. Say, amen. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Next. Now, as you're coming to this seat, I want you to notice the faces of authority. And I'm going to go somewhere with this. How you doing, sir? Good. Good, good. What's your name? And tell us what positions of authority do you, are you walking in. My name is Matt Corns. I'm a husband, a father. Pastor, I'm uh, a manager in my workplace. Manager. Okay, what kind of area of employment, what kind of work do you do? Refrigeration. Okay, and you're a manager. Yes. How sir. many guys submit to you at Walking? About 50. About 50 guys. Wow. Now notice, as we're going from one person to the next, you notice that the seat stays the same, but the people are changing. You notice that? The seat stays the same. But the people are changing. Amen. Thank you, sir. Next. Now, I know what some of you are going to say. Why is he up here? What in the world is he doing here? All right, sir. Tell us who you are, how old you are, and what position do you hold? Uh, I'm Jaden. I'm 15, and I mean, I'm a son, but uh, I, I don't see any really authority positions I hold. Besides this chair right now. <laughs> 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 
I brought him up specifically for a reason. Because if we're not careful, and I'm glad he said, he said, well, I'm a son, I'm 15, I don't hold any type of position that I, I know of at this time other than this chair I'm hanging on to. You see, this young man represents the, the delegated authority that is to come. We've got to see every last one of our young people as being able to occupy this seat, whether they are ready for it or not. And from time to time, God, even at 16, will use this man, this young man, to fulfill a certain level of authority to walk it out. For example, I share with him all the time. I said, you know what? God calls all of us as ministers of the gospel, the grace of Jesus Christ. And when you step up and you begin to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, you're walking in the authority of the word of God. You have all of access of heaven, a power and authority operating in your life at 16. Now, while the authority has not manifested itself yet, but because this young man has submitted himself to the Lord Jesus Christ, God says, I want to train you to sit in this seat. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you so much, sir. Next. She was so nervous. She did not want to come up here. What's your name and tell us what positions of authority you've, you have walked out in your life. My name is Ruby Poche. Um, the only positions of authority that I believe I have maybe would be my, a stepmother. Um, I also was a supervisor when I worked for the phone company. And were you in the military? I was in the military, but I was submitting. Okay. okay. <laughs> I was not in authority. What was your highest ranking? Oh, I was airman first class. First class. What positions are below you? Uh, uh, Basic and third class. Okay, so so the position you carried, there were people subordinate to you. Yes. And you knew that? Yes. Okay, good. Very good. Very good. Notice the position that she's in, the authority that God has blessed her to walk in. But notice she also said, even though I didn't have a level of authority, I submitted to authority. And we'll bring that out in the message here shortly. While that, remember what she just said. Thank you so much. Thank you. Next. Hello, buddy. How you doing, sir? Well. Good. What is your name? And tell us what position of authority you've ever walked in. I'm Robert Piku. I am, first of all, I was a father. Um, I'm a grandfather. And uh, great-grandfather. Um, yeah, I'm that old. Um, <laughs> I've been a, a teacher. I've also been a contractor controlling lots of different uh, aspects of construction. Um, I've been a teacher, a principal in both private and public schools. And as well as administrator? As well as administration. Okay, very good. Now, I want you to notice something. The last two people we brought to sit in the chair was in, a, was in a latter season, another season of their lives. And I want you to understand, let me speak to the faces of authority with this. Even though years have gone and gone, God says, I still will use you in the kingdom to occupy positions of authority. It is not where you're ready to take your retirement. I know God's retirement is out of this world, but we need the wisdom of God to continue sitting in this chair. We need the wisdom of God to continue for you guys that are here and years have passed. Most of us, we need you to continue sitting in this chair because of the wisdom that you have learned throughout your years. So thank you so much, sir. Thank you so much. Now, I left this young man for last. Obviously, he's the bigger guy. And I left, I want to say, come on over here, sir. But I'm going to do something different with you. I do not want you to sit in the chair. Now, the reason why I don't want him to sit in the chair, because it's obvious, isn't it? It should be, but to our culture, it's not. Sir. Tell us your name and what position of authority do you carry in your life? Scott Balsey. I'm a father and a sheriff deputy, which is everything from marriage counseling to dog catcher. (laughs) (laughs) Even the dogs must submit. Amen. How long have you been doing this, sir? Uh, 26 years. 26 years. Amen. Thank you for your service. 
Thank you so much for your service. Thank you, sir. Thank you for your service. Now, don't go anywhere. I purposely did not want him to sit in the chair because there is something obviously I want you to understand about authority with this man. He don't need to sit in the chair because here's the thing. He carries the, the, the authority with him. And, la- and, and, and our nation has been struggling with this. Now, I want you to see this. In the Bible, it talks about power. Power is used two ways. Okay? The first word for power and authority is the word exousia. The badge here tells us, now, without this uniform, with this uniform, without this, you know, he could be, a, we wouldn't know what, what his position was. But the badge here is the word exousia, authority. He has all the authority of Terrebonne Paris backing him. That's what that badge says. And when he tells you to stop, this badge, he looks at it and says, you need to stop. Why should I stop? Because this badge says he has the authority to tell you to stop. Now. Just in case you disrespect the exousia, let me talk about the dunamis. <laughs> the Bible says in Acts chapter 1, and you shall receive power, you shall receive dunamis, that active working power that causes results. Just in case you disrespect exousia and you don't stop, he will now exercise dunamis. Freeze. You see, one of the things that we have got to understand is that regardless of who's wearing this uniform, regardless of the face, the age, the color, the ethnicity, the race of the, this uniform declares that we are to walk in submission and to honor the people that serve not only our city, our nation, but our country as well. Because it is God who established this authority. Thank you so much, sir. Thank you so much. So the first point I want you to understand about this this message here is that you cannot do this alone. God showed through this working of this man that Moses, you are going to wear yourself out. You cannot do this alone. So God is going to establish authority. In, in, in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18 to 22, we, says this, we see it here in the beginning. Then the Lord God said to said, it is not good for a man to be alone. I will make a helpmeet who will be suitable for him. We see in the beginning, God said, it's not good for a man to be alone. And what did he do? He gave us a wife. I just thought the women would have just went nuts at that point, Tina. (laughs) Every man knows without a good woman in your life, boy, you will mess stuff up. You know how many times women come behind and clean up our stuff? Now, I know there's some brothers in here that's meticulous. And even in your meticulism, I know it's not a word, but we'll go with that. God still says it's not good for you to be alone, man. Trying to do things alone leaves you and I frustrated. It leaves us weary. Sometimes it will even lead to premature death because we think, well, God, I don't need anybody. I can do this all by myself. You know, even in the kingdom, I see sometimes there are people that have what they call a long range of spirit where they said, you know what? I don't need anybody. I can do this myself. No, 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 no. God calls the church to walk in delegated authority. When we isolate, and this is a principle I want you to understand. When we isolate ourselves, we become open to the enemy who put lies in our heart. And become, and because we are on our own, we have no counsel to balance out our lives. Man, when I, we went to Africa, when I see how these lions and lionesses separate the young and the weak from the rest of the herd, that's what Satan does. He isolates us. He puts us out on that island by ourselves. And man, he has a field day. I love coming to the house of God because even when I'm struggling with some things, it's incredible the word of encouragement that I have, I've, I've received as we walk into the place. And many of you have received words of encouragement as you fellowship coming into the house of God. Amen? Amen. So we don't isolate ourselves. Here's a key principle I want you to get. The magnitude of your authority will be measured out 
By your willingness to submit to God, God's ordained authority. Let me say it again. The magnitude of your authority will, will be measured out by your willingness to submit to God-ordained authority. What does that mean? The more I submit to God, the more God is able will allow me to sit in the seat of authority. To the degree that I'm willing to submit to him, that is the degree or the magnitude by which God will trust me with this seat. God will never allow rebels to occupy this seat. Do you hear what I'm saying? Now, I know what you're saying. Well, isn't it time to, from time to time you will get someone who will walk in authority and do crazy stuff? You know what? But that's not for you to deal with. That seat comes from God and God will judge. But you want the blessing. You follow, you obey, but let God deal with the seat because he established it. Amen? So the magnitude of my authority will be measured out by my willingness to submit to God's authority. Now look at Luke chapter 16, verse 10 through 12. We're going to get through this very quickly. If you are faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large ones. But if you are dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibility. And if you are untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches of heaven? And if you are not faithful with other people's things, why should you be trusted with things of your own? And I know within the context is dealing with money and wealth, but the principle here is, is this. This position is a position that God has given for stewardship. When you sit in this seat, God says, I want you to be a good steward while sitting in this position. He said, you represent me, not your own. By the way, for anyone who sits in this seat with selfish amb- ambitions, God knows exactly how to get you out this seat. Amen? So he says, if it's not the amount of the leadership that God gives to you, but the quality of the leadership. In other words, what do you do? What are you doing with what you have? And if you if you're faithful with the little that you have, God says, I can entrust in you more. Because I see the quality of your leadership with the little that you have. Amen? Wow. Number two, not only we can't do it alone, but the second thing we learned from this Moses Jethro situation is that we must be able to receive. God ordained authority in order for this to work. Now, I want you to understand, it was impossible. When you look at the many facets of the workings of this church, it would have been, Pastor Renee and Sister Vicky would have died a long time ago if they took this particular principle and decided, well, I don't want, all this, I will run all of this. This church's success is, is successful, number one, because Christ is the head of it. Let me say it again. I, I don't think you heard me. I said this church is set because Christ is the head of it. <laughs> Second, people who stay here, they stay here not because they stay here because of personalities of the leadership. Though that would be awesome. <laughs> Thank you so much for showing up. <laughs> but you stay here because you are submitted to the authority of Christ. You stay here because you are submitted to the authority of Christ. And because you have submitted to the authority of Christ, you don't have a problem with submitting to the authority of the ones God has established in this church as delegated authority. Amen? When I turn, when I turn my, my son loose on Wednesdays and bring him to the lighthouse, you just need to know, as a father of my 17-year-old son, I trust the God in you, Derek. I trust your counsel. I trust... That you're hearing the voice of God. So when I drop my son off, he hadn't learned to drive yet, so when I drop him off at the lighthouse, I know that God is going to feed him because you are a man in my eyes that have submitted yourself to the authority of Jesus Christ. And because you've done that, my son will hear the voice of God through the voice of Derek. And I've come to trust that. And I will say this, Derek, you're doing an amazing job, you and your wife, with our youth. And we just thank you for your service. Thank you so much. So we must be able to receive God-ordained authority in order for all this to work. According to Romans chapter 13, verse 2, 13 and 2, it says, So anyone who rebels against authority 
is rebelling against what God has instituted and they will be punished. Wow. So we've seen the many faces of authority, but let's look at the facets of authority very quickly. It says this, the three facets of God's authority, delegated authority, what I call God's big three. And this is how he demonstrates his authority and power in the earth. Number one, through the family. Somebody say family. Number two, through civil authority. And number three, somebody said the church. These are the three most powerful institutions that God has established in the earth by which he demonstrates his authority through the leaders in those areas. Well, let's take a look at them very quickly. God's arrangement for the family is that. And here is his, his order. Is that the father be the head of the house under God. Notice it says under God. Because what's predicated is that while he wants to be head, make sure that you have a head. Because if you come wrong, she will knock your head off. No, I'm just kidding. You see, a man's position in his home successfully will be, he will be successful if he demonstrate that he is a man that's willing to submit to the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it becomes difficult for every woman when she's married to a man who absolutely wants to rebel against his head. To some degree, she said, okay, since you're rebelling against your head, I'm going to rebel against mine. No, you can't do that. No, because even in submitting to him, God says he's able to, you're able to win him over with that chaste and loving spirit. He didn't say that chasing spirit, that chaste spirit. Amen. So the wife is to be subject to her husband and the children subjected to their parents. This is clearly seen in Ephesians chapter 5, 22 to 29. For wives, this means submit to your husbands as the, to the Lord. See, that's the parallel. For a husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. See the parallel again. He is the savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so the wives submit to your husbands in everything. Now watch this. And every man's like, yes, yes. But hold on, big fella. Look at verse 25. For husband, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. So if you want to walk in an authority, he's telling you in verse 25, you got to love her. The same way Christ loved the church. He gave his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead... She will be holy without fault. Wow. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1 through 4, it says, Children, obey your parents if they agree with you. Oh, I'm sorry. That's, that's not in there, is it? Oh, children, obey your parents because you belong to, because you belong to the Lord. For this is right, the right thing to do. Honor. Somebody say Honor. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with what? Promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well with you. What's the flip side? If you don't honor them, things will not go well with you. Okay. And he don't leave there. He says, honor your father and mother. Things will go well with you on the earth. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. By the way you treat them, rather bring them up in the, with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. Colossians 3, 18 and 21 says it again. Wives, submit yourselves to your husband as lifting or as fitting for those who belong to the Lord. Husbands, love your wife and never treat them harshly. Never treat them. I felt the Holy Spirit quicken on that one. Nothing grieves God more than to listen how a man talks to his wife harshly. Do you, do you realize, gentlemen, that the woman you married is God's daughter? Do you? Uh, Y'all didn't get that. Now, I have a daughter and she's not married yet. Thank God, not yet. And if I get wind that this joker is, I shouldn't use that in church. That young man, I'm sorry, the flesh came out. 
is in some way or another verbally or physically abusing my daughter. Do you know now I'm not God the Father. I mean, he's more perfect than I am. I, I bind myself to drive over there, ding dong, excuse me, um, can we talk? Now, she may not want me there, but I'm dead. How much more does the Father frown when we as husbands mistreat and harshly speak Words that crushes their spirit, that tender spirit that that God gave to her to love you, to 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 honor you, and you crush her with your words. Stop it if you're doing that. Please stop that. And you wonder why you can't hold things and things slip through your fingers. Don't mistreat God's daughter. Okay, I'll get off of that. In the family, God has placed his authority in the parents. Since the parents represent God's authority in the home, it is right that we should obey. Not only is the family a facet of God's authority, we see it, but civil authority. It says this, due to sinful and rebellious nature of men, God established laws and set up human government. Why? Because God gave men the authority to enforce his laws. He did this for our protection. He did this for our good. Civil authorities are God's provision for the restraint of evil. That young man that was standing here, can I tell you why he's wearing the uniform? Not because he needed some money. This man represents a restraint against evil. Evil that will come to harm you. And it is a shame in our culture that we don't honor that uniform. I know there are some bad apples in that bunch. We know that. God's going to deal with those bad bunches. But we still have to honor those men and women who carry the badge. Because the Bible says he created an authority to restrain evil. Amen. First Timothy chapter 2 verse 1 through 4 says, I urge you first of all to pray. Now watch this. To pray for all people. To do what? Pray for all people according to First Timothy chapter 2. Ask God to do what? Help them. We're talking about those in authority. Intercede on their behalf. Give thanks for them. Pray this way for kings and all who are in authority so that we can live peaceable and quiet lives marked by godliness and and dignity. This is good and and pleases God our Savior who wants everyone to be saved and to understand truth. So what does he tell Any person who occupies this position, this seat, he says, pray for them, that it will go well with them. It is not your job to touch this. It's not your job to change this. God says, they sit in this seat, I will deal with this. But in order for you to be well, that your society will be peaceful, he says to pray that all will be well with civil authority. He said, even if you don't agree with that civil authority, pray for them that God will give them truth and they will be saved. School teachers, police officers, local officials, judges, state and federal officials are all God's delegated authority. Since they represent God's authority, we must obey them because they occupy the seat of authority, which God has established. In Romans chapter 13, verse 1, it says, Everyone must submit to governing authorities. For all authority comes from who? And those in positions of authority have been placed there by? Are you getting it? And finally, number three. For delegated authority to work, more people must become involved in the work of ministry. And I heard it says 80% of the people in the church don't do much of the work because 20% is occupying it. Well, my question is, why not 100% of the people do the work? It takes all of us. We realize the many facets of our ministry only works because there are people who said, you know what, I love this ministry, but I want to be a part. I want to be a servant because the greatest in the kingdom is the servant. 
Exodus 23, 18, 23 says this, put it up. If you follow this advice, this is what he told him. And if God commands you to do so, then you will be able to endure the pressure and all these people will go home in peace. He said, man, if you do this, it will be well with you. And not only will the people go home in peace, but you will go home in peace as the leader and not in pieces. How many church leaders have not figured out this principle and their family lives are in disarray because it's out of order. I was one of them. I was one of them. And then finally, God established the church. God's plan is that the church be the head of, that Christ be the head of the church. Under Christ are God's appointed leaders, such as elders, pastors, deacons, teachers. We are all to be subjected to God's delegated authority. Where? In the church. Let me just say this. Pastor Brian, I want you and Tina to stand, please. Derek, I want you and your wife to stand. Pat, I know Miko is gone, but I want you to stand as, as well. All right. If there's anybody in this church that occupies a position of leadership and you have your spouse here, I want you to stand with your spouse. Please stand quickly. If you occupy any position of authority, please stand with your spouse, with your spouse. Please stand with your spouse. Now, I want you to understand this, church. The Bible says what God has joined together, let no man put asunder. Do you realize, Vern, the calling and the anointing that God has placed on your life has been placed on your wife? And how dare anybody try to divide you two guys from the anointing that rests and cover your entire family? God will deal with anybody who tried to separate that anointing in you. Because God called you, Vern. He also called Tina. Now, there are many facets of her calling. But you understand as a church, we've got to recognize the both of you. Or as we say down the Bible, the boat of you. <laughs> Do you understand that when God joined the two of you together, he anointed the two of you together? And as a body of believers, we got to understand that the wife carries the same anointing as her husband? Pat, I know me. Just put you on like he's there. There you go. Right there. <laughs> that the, <laughs> the anointing God has blessed Miko with you are covered with that same anointing with God has joined together. Let no one put asunder. God said, I will deal with anyone who tried to drive a wedge between you and your husband because God joined you together with that one another. Troy, because God has anointed you in the area of worship, that anointing now covers you and your wife together. Together. Somebody say together. And for every one of you that is standing with just back, God calls anoint the man. He also anoints the woman together. Somebody say together. And we've got to get that straight together. Together. Thank you. Be seated. Together, baby. We're better together. (laughs) Hebrews 13, 17 says, Obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. Their work is to watch over your soul and they are accountable to God. Give them reason to do with great joy and not sorrow. That would certainly not benefit you if they led with a sorry heart. It wouldn't be beneficial to the body of Christ. Acts chapter 1, chapter 6, 1 through 4 says, As the believers rapidly multiplied, and we see this in the first century church, there were rumblings of discontent. The Greek-speaking believers complain about the Hebrew-speaking believers saying that their widows were being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food. So the 12 called a meeting of all the believers. They said, we apostles should spend our time teaching the word of God, not running around uh, uh, creating a food program. And so what was the answer? The brothers selected seven men who were well-respected, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. We will give them this responsibility. We will delegate that authority to them. Then we apostles can spend our time in prayer and teaching God's word. In order for the church to do this effective in the lost world, the church must employ this same principle that Jethro showed Moses. Ephesians 4.11 tells us, Now these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers 
Their responsibility is to equip the people to do God's work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to the unity of our faith and knowledge of God's Son, that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature children like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when other people try to trick us and lie so cleverly that it sounds like the truth. Instead, when we come to understand and respect and honor authority, this is what he said. We will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, which is the purpose. Who is the head of his body? The church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as part as each part does its own special work it helps the other part to grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love what an incredible picture won't you stand to your feet it is in this hour of such great rebellion against authority Lord you have made your word plain and clear to us That you have established all authority. And all authority comes from you. May every facet of your authority, both in the church, both in the home and civil authorities, may we demonstrate our willingness to submit to that authority and it will be well. May we pray for those in authority that it may be well, that God will give them wise counsel so that we can have peace and unity. And if the world doesn't get it, Lord, let the church get it so we can demonstrate it to a world that does not know you. So, God, we submit to the authority of Christ. Today, if there's anyone in this building today, and you have not come unto the submission of the Lordship of Jesus Christ, you've never made the Lord Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, I'm going to give you that opportunity very quickly. If you say, today, I understand God has spoken directly to me through his word, and through the Holy Spirit, and I want to give my, I want to have an opportunity to give my life to Jesus Christ. I want to give you that opportunity to do that. But I want to do that only after we dismiss. But God, I pray today that we will take your word, that we will hear it and walk that word out, that it may be well with civil authority, that it may be well in our home, that it may be well with our church, so that we can walk according and be faithful to the stewardship of the position you've given us. God, I ask that you will give your traveling grace and divine protection over all that leave this place. We ask this in the name of God, our Father, Jesus Christ, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. If you want to submit your life to Jesus Christ and you've never done that, I'll be waiting here. Won't you come at this time? If not, God bless you and you're dismissed in Jesus' name.